Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching with TBA rabbinic intern Rachel Cohn. So if you have the source sheet um, with you, we're going to be speaking about an episode that happens in this Parsha in which Hagar ends up getting sent away. And I, I ended up choosing to focus on this inspired by a Beth Am event that I went to. I guess it was within the past week, although it feels like ages ago already, it, with resetting the table to have a conversation about politics and Israel, but also kind of America. And <clears throat> we were in these small groups where we got to hear more up close and personal different people's viewpoints about various things going on. And, and multiple people came away, I think, myself included with this feeling of it's so fascinating, as humans that we can both be looking at the same situation, and see things entirely differently. So I picked a section of the text where I think there's many characters acting with different motivations. And if we look at their different perspectives, even if a fundamental disagreement or conflict can't be resolved, we can maybe at least try and get behind the scenes, help ourselves understand what they were thinking in the way that, you know, when we have a conversation with human beings where we may not understand their perspective on something, we can at least hear more about their background story and what might be leading them to have those views. There can be a degree of empathy or, or understanding. Um, so <clears throat> the scene that we will be looking at occurs in, chapter 21. And to such a scene, this is a party that was held for Yitzchak after he was weaned, which was it, it, weaning and that being kind of a big milestone is mentioned at a couple other points in Tanakh. Um, though I think even today, it's certainly certainly a milestone in a child's life. So I'll, I'll just read the, the first, the general story we'll be referring to out loud to you in English. And you have the Hebrew there as well, if you'd like to reference it. The child, Yitzchak, grew up and was weaned, and Avraham held a great feast on the day that Yitzchak was weaned. Sarah saw the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Avraham. And then there's this word, mitzachik, that causes a lot of disagreement. It could be translated perhaps as playing, perhaps as making sport. So we'll kind of leave it up for discussion for now. She said to Avraham, cast out that maidservant and her son, for the son of that maidservant shall not share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly, for it concerned a son of his. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed over the boy or your maidservant. Whatever Sarah tells you, do as she says, for it is through Yitzchak that offspring shall, shall be continued for you. As for the son of the maidservant, I will make a nation of him too, for he is your seed. So then the next day, early the next morning, Abraham took some bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He placed them over her shoulder together with the child and sent her away. So reading and hearing this story, <clears throat> are there any characters whose actions you think make sense to you or really don't make sense to you? Just at face value. Uh, Gary, yeah. Obviously, Sarah was not happy. That makes sense to me because that's competition for his, for her, her child. And uh, I don't know if she wanted that, what the impact was going to be, but clearly it acted pretty good in regards to he sent away, he was saved, and he um, became a nation. 
And does it make sense to you why, why like specifically right now would have been the moment for, for Sarah to act on those feelings? Yeah, because it's, it's when it's, this was the weaning of, it was the initiation of her son to the community. And so he was now entering the community. And now he saw the older son um, playing, uh, you know, doing his, his thing with, with, so that he, he it, was, it was time to make sure there was no competition. Okay. Um, great. Other thoughts? Brant, yeah? I think a lot of this hinges on this word, hazachek, mm-hmm. because that's the reason that they, that, so I'm assuming that that's a pretty bad thing, that, that this kid demonstrated something that was akin to like idolatry or something like that, and that was the reason so he wasn't like an upstanding member of the community, and that gave her the cause to do this. So I think a lot of it has to be explained by that word, mm-hmm. and, and I don't really know what it means either. I'm looking okay. at the Tanakh that I'm reading that says mocking, whatever that means. So right, I'm like saying is that, but that must be pretty bad. Not just that he's like a you know allow you know playing around or goofing around. He did something that's pretty hideous and that's what starts this whole process okay so you're you're saying she must have had a good enough reason it makes sense presuming that this whatever this thing was it must have been bad enough for her actions to be yeah i mean something is really bothersome about what he did to her and some and that makes some sense to me otherwise i mean i understand about female competition but i don't think that's enough Mm -hmm. i think it has something to do with the boy got it yeah, Gary, you want to say more about? Uh, I think you're muted, Gary. I'm muted now. Um, my wife only has two hands. It's tough. Um, the the problem I'm saying is, how old is is, is the boy? The guy, I mean, I mean, it's not not, yeah. it's not, not that much older than uh, not not just older than her son. So Correct. Clearly, um, I don't know. I, I'm using not to argue with Brand, but you know, I don't know how significant the wrong words were saying when it, this was a child. It wasn't an adult. So I, I'm a little I'm, I'm confused about where the, the, the stress would be on, on uh, doing something wrong when it's a child. Clearly they were playing, clearly it's competition, and clearly it's another boy, and clearly maybe clearly it's going to be bigger for the time being. So I, I, but that may be the, one of the reasons. Right. So there's kind of two pieces of it that each of you have brought. And I mean, Gary, even prior to Brand's comment, you were saying, there was kind of an ongoing thing that maybe was building up. And because of this moment, that was just the time that it seemed like, okay, this was the last straw, you know, he, then this is the time when he's being, you know, more initiated, like initiated into the community. And Brandt is saying, right, but there also was this specific event. So we can kind of hold either of those pieces as possibilities. Um, and Marlies, yeah. Oh, well, I'm just in responding to your asking of understanding people's, actions um abraham who's distressed does listen to god i mean you know god tells him so i'm it's interesting i'm trying to think i understand him being distressed and i could say okay god told him it's going to be okay so he he does it but in a way i could also i also feel a little bit like is this a little bit like with isaac and um later you know because because again it's it's less uh violent but he's still sacrificing in a way his 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 son, oldest son. So. Whenever you send a child to the desert with a little bit of water, it's not. It's going to be a. That could be a death penalty as well. Right. Yeah. For sure. 
Yeah, right. it seemed pretty easy to convince him that it was an okay thing to do. And yeah, and and a, a pushback that comes up with the Akedah also is that there are moments when Abraham um, argues with God, you, you know, Sodom and, and Gomorrah, for mm-hmm. example. But this is, but this, both this and the Akedah, for whatever reasons, are not, are not times that Abraham chooses to push back when God gives him instructions. Um, Marshall? Yeah, I just like the, I, I'm interested in the repetition of the word Yerah Hadavar or Yerah Be'enecha that I know it's translated here as be distressed, but Yerah Be'enecha is literally to be evil in your in your sight. And I think it reinforces the point you made that we look at things from different perspectives. And in effect, Abraham may have been a little bit uncertain of himself as to what he's supposed to do. And so God, in effect, intervenes here in this familial uh, situation and says, okay, let's just go ahead forward and see what's going to be happening. Right, right. Abraham, I mean, he's being pulled. He's He has kind of pulls in multiple directions because he feels connected as the father of Ishmael to look out for him. But also, you know, maybe he didn't even see the thing that happened with Yitzchak. So he's kind of trying to take Sarah's word for it. And as a side note, there's kind of increasing evidence that there can be a thing also of, of not in the way that after women give birth, people can experience postpartum depression or mood changes that um, weaning also has a whole other set of um, like mood disorders that can occur. So I've also, you know, in reading this story now as a nursing parent, I've also wondered like, wow, what else might've been going on for her in that moment? But in any case, just to go back to, to Abraham, he's, you know, he's trying to look out for both of his sons and his wife. And so exactly, it's like, He's probably sitting there like, eh, which way do I go? And and God kind of gives a, a directive. Um, and then, and, you know, we don't even in the text itself hear that much about, about Hagar. Like, di- did anybody even ask her to say, you know, this happened with this, this interaction happened with your son. Are you going to have a conversation with him about it? Like that, that step never even, even really happened. Um, so we're going to move on to some commentaries that might, that provide at least some interpretations of some backstories to, I'm not going to say answer our questions. In most cases, it kind of further complicates the questions, but just again, to kind of get us in this exercise of pondering what might be underlying people's actions. So, um, to add another even dimension to Abraham feeling torn in many directions, who would like to read what Rabbeinu Bachia says about um, another dimension of what was going on for him at the time? Marshall, go ahead. Uh, Abraham prepared a great feast. There is no doubt that the notables in the land were invited to this feast. Since the birth of Yitzchak had been a wondrous event. Also, Abraham was a wealthy man. And it is possible that even kings and advisors of surrounding countries attended this feast. Great. Thank you. So if we're imagining that this feast included characters and, you know, beyond who is directly mentioned in the text, that the scene also includes these noble people and, you know, very fancy kings even who are there, how might that have complicated Abraham's response in this situation? I just want to say, if you have a a crazy son who embarrasses you in your own house. It's another thing to embarrass you in front of the community, the nobles and all that type of stuff. So that would 
you know, if you're if you're having, you know, the entire neighborhood over for dinner and one of your kids engages in something that's pretty horrendous, that's different than doing it in front of your own parents or something at all. Just your parents. So exactly. <laughs> it makes I, it worse, actually. <laughs> right. So the thing he did itself might have seemed even worse. And also, if 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 Avraham is sitting there, you know, horrified that this thing happened, but also feeling like he has to maintain his composure in front of all of these dignitaries, then, you know, I think that just like puts him in an even, even tighter situation between a rock and a hard place. But also I would think at that point, if God comes to him and says, yeah, you know, that was actually bad. You're totally right. That he might be more primed to listen to instructions like that. If he's coming, you know, if he's still like fuming from you and, you know, you embarrassed me in front of all my, my noble friends kind of thing. So I don't know, reading that maybe gave me, me personally, a little more empathy into why he wouldn't have wanted to push back more when God said that. But that's, that's just, you know, again, it's all interpretations of a complex event that was happening. Any other thoughts or questions about the, the Avraham piece? There were also other commentary. I mean, the the amount of commentary on this situation could fill volumes. So this is definitely just a selection. But there was another comment that said he was worried that Ishmael would be hurt by being kicked out and worried he would kind of get to um, do worse things because he was hurt by getting kicked out. So that also kind of adds more empathy to him um, as a father in that way. And so if you kind of combine those feelings, he was he was definitely probably in in a in a rough state trying to figure out what to do. Um, <clears throat> so multiple multiple people have already raised the question of this, you know, this one word that that uh, Yitzchak was sorry, Yishmael was found mitzachek when he was um, with with Yitzchak. So what does that word actually mean? Again, we're going to look at two particular pieces and then I'll kind of try to offer a summary of the other ideas that are out there, of which there are many. So uh, the Midrash Tanhuma piece, would anybody like to read that? Go for it, Marlies. Okay. Um, right. um, the word making sport refers only to practicing idolatry. She said to him, Abraham, cast out this maidservant and her son, lest my son learn from his behavior. Uh, same, same verb used in reference to the golden calf. Do you want me to read the next? Sure, great. You can read the, you can read the Rashi as well. Okay. Another explanation is that it refers to immoral conduct. Same verb used in reference to Potiphar's wife. So many commentaries try to look up other forms of the same verb root in other locations. And the particular one about idol worship, there was kind of like festivities after the golden calf where the same verb was used. And so that leads to the conclusion, uh, oh, it, it could have been related to idol worship. And then the Rashi, um, Rashi's suggestion about immoral conduct. Um, you know, I think that's the clearest example where it was, it was like, oh, he must've done something really, really bad. Um, not just he happened to be an idol worshiper and he was starting to influence um, Yitzchak. So, and they get that from a description of what happened with the, you know, the encounter between Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Um, and then other ideas that are out there is that it had to do with violence, that he was, you know, shooting arrows or trying to physically harm Yitzchak or, um, as Brant, were you the one who mentioned the kind of make, like making fun or 
another translation that you read? I'm looking at this book that I have, and it says, Thus Ishmael's behavior proved that he had become thoroughly corrupt and evil, and he had to be sent away, and it cites Rashi. Yeah, I mean, Rashi... See, that Rashi absolves is- Abraham, though. See, that absolves Abraham, which is interesting to me. That he didn't do anything yeah. wrong, and the kid is just totally corrupt. That That's kind of interesting to me, because... Clearly, you know, sending away a kid is a pretty big deal. So I wouldn't let Abraham off the hook, but that's what appears to their doing in this book anyway that I'm looking at. So right, I think you know one of the one of the instincts in the classical commentary for sure is to make is to make the patriarchs make a lot of our he- biblical heroes look would um, look good for better or for worse, and um, and you know and you're like oh well he sent him away with water and things he was trying to kind of maybe ameliorate what could have been an even more awful situation by helping him out so yeah i mean you can definitely look at it in that way uh but you know the, the interpretations of this word range from he was doing poking fun in a kind of teasing way to physical violence and immorality idol worship those are that's kind of the range of of what I've seen on the subject, at least. And there's def- there's really not clarity on the subject. There's there's many different midrashim and commentary about it. People kind of quote each other and and it's really a big question mark hanging in the air still. So I wanted to, I also was trying to see in contrast to the amount of commentary about that, you know, like what was Sarah interpreting? We still really even in, in, Haggadic stories don't hear that much about what was going on for Hagar and Ishmael. But the one piece that we do hear is this, this one line from Genesis Rabbah of Hagar kind of pushing back against God. So would anybody like to read that line from Hagar? Larry, go ahead. Yesterday you told me, I will greatly increase your offspring. And now he's dying of thirst. So in the, in the Midrash, the rabbis insert this painting her in not such a nice way. They're saying, Oh, she was being, she was, um, you know, being rude towards God basically. But I mean, my, my reading of it seemed like, yeah, that was a totally justified way for her to be responding to the situation. Um, do people have other thoughts about Hagar's role in this? Well, she's, she's putting up more of a fight than Abraham did. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Her, her instinct to take care of her son, you know, is coming out very strongly here. Right. She's arguing what she's saying is you told me I'm going to, he's going to be the father of all this offspring. And now he's dying of thirst, you know, and he's, she's basically confronting, which is interesting to me. In right. some respects, she's braver than the man that fathered this kid. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting perspective. Do other folks um, agree or, or see it differently? Marshall? I wonder how Abraham could have responded to her. After all, she said, listen, I recognize that Sarah could not conceive. So you brought me into the picture and I conceived. How how ungrateful can you be? What's your response at this point in time? And suddenly you start, you banish us uh, from this household? Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, both of them really could could feel like they really got thrown under the bus. Like, we we saved you, dude. You were never sure you were going to have other offspring, and now this is how we get treated. And the other thing, I mean, we, we really don't hear about this, but what are any of you imagining Yishmael is thinking throughout this process? If you were to, to make up a midrash for him, what's, what's in his mind? 
abandoned child syndrome. You know, like adopted kids go through this. You know, it's like you, 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 you've been, you've been uh, abandoned, and and uh, uh, you know, what did you do to deserve it? Maybe he doesn't understand what Rashi said in this Tanakh that I have. That maybe he didn't know he was doing something wrong. We don't really know, actually. Right. I'm sure he feels a sense of rejection. How could he not? Sure. And there's nothing in the text itself, or even amongst the commentaries I, I read at least, which isn't to say they're not out there, um, that, you know, there's no no discussion with him, no explanation for him. He may have not even known, you know, forget how everybody else is interpreting the mitzach, mitzach thing. He may not have even realized what he was doing or how it differed from the the values that, you know, let's say it was idol worship. He may not have realized how much it clashed with, you know, the Jewish nation that was being built. So it's interesting that he, he definitely is, is kind of, he is, you could, you know, see it almost like he's punished as if he were an adult or held, held accountable for his actions to, to a strong degree. Um, so to zoom back out and look at this story, you know, we've seen how even in the shot, there's kind of, there's many different characters going through their own challenging situations at this point in the text. And there's a lot of things that kind of come to head, come to a head at this party for Isaac's weaning. And then I think the commentary only deepens the fact that people had themselves inner conflict about what was going on or you know, we're overlooked to a degree that that gives us a lack of sense of completion or wholeness, perhaps, in in the result that happened. And I wanted to bring just one more one more thing that I had been thinking about to kind of close it out. That <clears throat> one thing I didn't hear in the discussion of mitzachek is that actually it's the same verb root as yitzchak. That the playing and making fun is actually closely related to the laughter that is embedded in Yitzchak's name. And also if we think about, you know, Hagar's name as like Ger or a foreigner, that, that like everybody's looking at this situation and it seems like the one thing they didn't see is actually how close that, you know, if you're looking linguistically, I'm not, I'm not saying, I know what happened, but just since the rabbis really liked wordplay. The one way they didn't look at it was that, that in seeing what this, you know, literally like son of the other was going through was so similar to the, the, the word that inspired the name of, of Yitzchak. And that, that perhaps in trying to untangle all these threads, one of the missing pieces is that we have to be able to see at least a tiny, tiny thread of ourselves in the other, like whether or not we understand where they're coming from, to be able to see that a piece of ourselves is actually very close to something like tied to, into the humanity of this, this other person whose experience we may not be able to understand. So my, my personal two cents on all of this, the complicated layers of this story, is that it actually is a reminder to try and find the like even a thread of humanity of of a common story that you can relate to when you encounter a story biblically personally in community with people who you may not understand 
on, upon first read of the situation. So those are my, those are my thoughts on this, on this complex tale and how we might be able to move a piece of it forward for ourselves as well. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.